Volume two, chapter eight of Garcia Moreno by Augustin Berth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Maria Therese. Reforms, eighteen sixty one. Garcia Moreno set to work immediately to clear out this Augean stable in a country where revolution had reigned supreme for a quarter of a century. The specialty of all revolutionary governments is to consume without producing, not to help the people to live, but to live at their expense. The first thing they do is to lay hold of the property of the church and to drive away every honest man from the administration. Then their followers fill all the vacant places and fatten themselves upon the ruin of the nation, which wakes up, after a time, to find itself without religion, without honor or credit, without money, and with bankruptcy at its gates. To console the people they talk of progress and liberty. Such was the miserable state to which the revolutionary party had brought Ecuador when Garcia Moreno took the reins of power. His first care was to make an entire change in the public functionaries, and to take in only men of proved honesty, who were capable of carrying out his great designs. He insisted also on strict regularity and laborious work, in all those under him, of which he was the first to set an example. The financial state of the country was deplorable. Money had been recklessly borrowed until no more could be raised, while the people were crushed under the weight of an exorbitant taxation. No accounts had been kept, and there was not even an attempt made to control the expediture. The Chancellor of the Exchequer, under Robles, had conducted a report on the budget of 1857 with the words, I have undeniable proofs that the national finances are in a state of perfect chaos, which makes it impossible for me to render any trustworthy accounts to the House and that is the only result I have arrived at after months of fruitless toil. Garcia Moreno, however, was determined to sift the whole matter to the bottom, and devoted himself to the terrible task of verifying all the debts contracted by the Republic during the last twenty years, the forced loans which had been raised again and again without any record being kept, and all the iniquitous fiscal proceedings which had resulted in a debt of four million of piastres. Having at last mastered this part of the subject, he introduced the French system of bookkeeping, with a clear account of the exports and imports, and with a board of control to check any frauds in the executive body. Next came the turn of the stock jobbers and gamblers in the funds, many of whom were made to disgorge their ill-gotten gains, while the public functionaries who were convicted of sharing in this nefarious traffic were indignantly dismissed. Garcia Moreno gave himself a noble example of disinterestedness, though he had little or no private fortune, he never would touch the twelve thousand piastres, which was the annual salary voted for the president. He remitted one half of it to the exchequer, and the other half to the public charities. A still more urgent reform was that of the army. Since the revolutionary party had been in power, the soldiers virtually disposed of everything, as each president owed his power to the bayonets of these men, without shame or honor, who affected a supreme contempt for the civil power. No sooner was Garcia Moreno elected president than he determined to put a stop to this state of things. An army thus constituted, he exclaimed, is a cancer which eats out the very heart of a people. Either I will reform or I will destroy it. He set to work at once, issuing stringent regulations against the nightly sorties, the immorality, and the brigandage of the troops, and throwing into prison all who disobeyed them, whether officers or men. General Araza, who after the capitulation of Cuenca had retired to Quito, organized a kind of mutiny against the new military regulations. Garcia had him seized, carried off to the barracks, and punished as a private soldier. This severity had the desired effect. 
army discipline was once more restored, and the troops became a protection instead of a terror to the whole country. Once in possession of this triple element of action, a body of devoted and honorable officials as his colleagues, the finances of the country placed on a sound basis, and a military force sufficiently disciplined to maintain peace at home and abroad, he determined to establish that Christian civilization which he coveted for his country, and which he rightly considered to be the essential condition of true progress, whether material, intellectual, or moral. The foundation of all regeneration rests on public education, which, by moulding the hearts and minds of children, prepares the future of society. The revolutionists and Freemasons know this so well, that the first thing they do in every country, as soon as they get into power, is to laicize the schools, that is, to deprive them of all moral and religious instruction. This diabolical idea which pervades all Europe at this moment had its origin in America. Garcia Moreno, as rector of the university, had perpetually urged the necessity of reform in this matter, but had not yet been able to realize it. Now the moment was come to lay the first stone, at any rate, of this great work. He made his first appeal, in 1861, to the devotion of the French congregations, among whom workmen and workwomen are always to be found, ready to labor in Christ's vineyard, whether under tropical suns or arctic snows. Bands of Christian brothers, sisters of charity, and religious of the Sacred Heart, hastened, in answer to his appeal, to open primary schools and educational establishments in all the great centers of Ecuador. The Jesuits, whom he had defended with such courage, were instantly recalled and installed in their old house of St. Louis in Quito, and then in a second establishment, from whence other professors were sent to found new colleges in Guayaquil and Cuenca. The rage of the liberals knew no bounds, and reached its tight when Garcia Moreno entrusted the hospitals and prisons to sisters and brothers of charity, dismissing the lay nurses and warders whom the revolution had placed there, while the administration of these establishments was entrusted to men animated with a like spirit to his own. At the same time he began a work which no one had as yet thought of attempting, namely the creation of carriage roads all across ecuador so as to open up communications between the towns and the ports of the pacific everyone declared the idea to be utopian and impossible of realization garcia moreno without listening to any of the grumblers drew out a plan for the high road from quito to guayaquil and carried it out in spite of all the obstacles which ignorance idleness and cupidity threw in his way he undertook similar works from this time till his death and the enormous commercial, industrial, and agricultural benefits thus conferred on Ecuador would be enough to immortalize him as president, even had he no other claim on the gratitude of his countrymen. End of Part 2, Chapter 8